0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. God Speaking to our hearts today, Lord, we open ourselves up. Lord, hit me with your word today. Change me, Lord God. Rearrange my thinking, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, everybody. Thank you, band members. Well done. Class dismissed. I'm reading here from the book of Luke, chapter 6. Jesus has just come down off a mountain. He's chosen 12 disciples out of a big bunch. After a night of prayer, God said to him, I want you to have him, 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 and so on. And he's chosen these 12, and then he says to them, on verse 20, And turning his gaze towards his disciples, he began to say, "'Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed uh, are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil.' For the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you who, when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets the same way. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Uh, in that awesome uh, radical microphone change that we just did there, I left all my notes in my uh, bag. So that's going to be great. Um, That's fine. We've got to do spontaneous things. That's fine. I love the fact that you're still surprising me after 31 years of marriage. It's awesome. All right. Jesus came down from the mountain and he met his 12 guys and he started to tell them this is how. these These are the values that we're going to have in our community. Why did he do that? Well, he was mirroring what happened in Exodus when Moses went up on the mountain he spent time with God, took Moses a longer time than it took Jesus to hear from God, stayed up there a number of days and nights. And then he came down to his 12 tribes and he said, this is how we're going to live. And he gave them the, the law. And a lot of us think of the law is uh, if we obey the law, then we're going to get to heaven but, and we're going to be saved. But the people of Israel were already saved. They'd been pulled out of Egypt while they did nothing themselves. Hadn't earned it, God just said, I'm going to save these people. And then He said, Now I want you, now that I've got you, I can work with you and I can change you into a community that represents me more completely on earth. And so He started to give the Ten Commandments, a whole bunch of other commandments. The number one thing being that God should be the center because God is saying that if you break the relationship with me, then every other thing, every other relationship in your life is going to come unraveled. So fix that up first, and then we start to work on these other things. So he created a community that was God-centered. God always wanted to live in the presence. It was itching to get into the, into the company of, of the uh, Israelites. He said, oh, we're going to get this tent there, and I'm going to come down and I'm meet with my people. And God is itching. He says, He's so looking forward to the day when you and I join in heaven a great chorus of people and we'll be there with God in our midst. He's a number of times in scripture, he's so I'm gonna be, you're gonna be my people, and I'm gonna be with you. And he's looking forward to it right from the start. And then he sent Jesus as a further revelation of God with us. And Jesus was doing the same thing as except he raised the bar even further. So the Israelites created a community based around the rules that God had given them, and that was a unique community. They had a day off every week, created that whole week idea, seven days, and then the seventh day, a rest day, a whole bunch of other things. I mean, not being allowed to lie in an Eastern culture, that's a radical transformation. I mean, in, even in Eastern cultures today, lying can be seen as not as bad as bringing shame to your family or bringing shame to yourself. So they'd rather tell a lie to protect someone so that no one's embarrassed in the family. But God is saying, no, truth is more important than that. So I'm going to have a culture that does this. So he set up all his commandments to create a different culture, a different community. Jesus raised it a bar. You know, He said things like, well, you've said that man's not to commit adultery, but I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery in his heart. And therefore, all the men who are listening to him automatically he turned them all into adulterers because there's hardly a man alive except for Jesus probably who hasn't looked at a woman and said well she's very beautiful and I better just stop going there. Jesus raised the bar but he also he started off with his values the values that he th- he said look uh it's better you're going to be blessed if you are poor the way you're thinking is poor. You are needy instead of thinking of yourself as rich. And no matter what stage of life we are as a Christian, we still need to remember that we need. We are in need. As soon as we start to think, oh, it's fine. I don't, don't need anymore now. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. I don't need God. I've got all the money that I need. I've got all the things that I need. So I am not in need. Jesus says, woe to you. You're going to come unstuck with that attitude. You need to remain in need. I come to church today. I'm still God. I need you. I need you. In fact, I need you more. I can see things more clearly as I get older. Jesus says you need to stay hungry. Do you come to church hungry? Stay hungry. Blessed. You're blessed if you're hungry because you're going to listen to. Be, you're going to be listening to God. You're going to be hearing things that people who are not hungry don't hear. You're going to have the, the antenna up, God. I'm hearing from you. Jesus says that's and woe to you if you're satisfied. If you if you think you've you you don't need to hear anything more, then woe to you. Jesus says it's a good thing to be to weep sometimes. Doesn't mean you're a blubbering mess all the time, but you need to have a you know, Jesus was called a man of sorrows. He felt it. He felt the separation that people had between who God made them to be and who they actually were. He felt that, and he had that sorrow. He felt great compassion. We need to be people with compassion, and we need to come in here as people who are, these are the values of Jesus, people who are, God, I'm sorry for the the way I've ignored you. It's really, it gets me. Not people who are constantly laughing, you know, some of the, Greatest comedians are the, have been the saddest people on earth. You know, Robin Williams, you know, they have this facade of happiness, facade of laughter, and God's saying, no, don't have the facade. Just be honest, and you will be blessed. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you are sometimes rejected because of me, um, and woe to you if you're constantly spoken well of all the time. If you, if, you, if you are seeking for everybody to uh, speak well of you all the time, then you're probably quite a bendable person who adapts to the situation, doesn't actually stand for anything. You know, you conform to the situation. And Jesus is saying, now you've got to be the sort of person who's prepared to say, no, I'm, I'm going to stand up for this. I don't care what they think. I, I, I'm sick of just doing what other people, what pleases other people. Jesus is saying, that's a great attitude need to have that because if you're the sort of person who's just wanting celebrity, wanting to, everybody to pat you on the back on the time, you're actually a wishy-washy person. Why did he want people to have these values inside? It's because he had a dream of us all being one. And that's, these sorts of people with these sorts of values are the people who can become one. I'm more open to other people if I'm not pretending that everything's okay. I'm more open and more able to connect with you if I can feel the pain and you, and vice versa. And you can create a community like that. Look at uh, Jesus' dream. This is just before he goes to the cross in John 17, verses 20 and 21. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that's us, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. You can see that it's a mind-blowing image that the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father, in fact, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit Jesus and the Father had, he said, I want the, these, my people to have the same relationship. I want them to be the same, the same sort of oneness and when you read and study the sort of relationship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had have together, there's constant, in the Bible, there's constant encouragement of each other. This is my beloved Son. There's loving of each other. Listen to Him. You know, Jesus will actually only do what, you t- what the Father tells me, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He's going to teach you. And you've got to listen to Him. They're constantly deferring to each other. You know, and as Christians, that's what we should be doing. Oh well, I really enjoyed your ministry. You know, you were great. And what you did in the cafe is awesome. And and just the the fact that you're doing that job in the defense department or whatever it is, there's this constant glorifying of other people. Your marriage won't work unless you have that attitude. It's my role. Not to be worried about my interest, but to be giving to Melanie. It's her role to do the opposite. And what do you know? We both fulfill each other uh, in, in encouraging and filling each other with courage. Jesus has that dream. You know, in the, between the late 1880s and the early 1990s, uh, all up about 2,000 immigrants from a certain village in Italy called Rosetto moved to western Pennsylvania about 100 kilometers west of New York City And they took up uh, residence altogether. It's like they replanted the whole village. Boom. They spoke Italian. They're working in a quarry. Uh, They're kind of, uh, they've got villages five, ten minutes drive away, but they're their own little village. And one doctor from that area was at a conference hearing another doctor speak. And after the doctor spoke about the terrible problems with heart disease and other things in America at the time, the late 50s, this doctor came and said, you know, the people in my town, in this area, this particular town of Rosetto, they named it after the Italian town, they, none of them get heart disease under 65. And even over 65, hardly anyone gets heart disease or cancer or anything else. They all just seem to die of old age. And this, this sparked interest by researchers from the University of Oklahoma. They went in there in, the, in 1961. They spent weeks and months in there interviewing every single member of the community, looking at death certificates to see the the causes of people's deaths in this city. And they went over and over the whole thing and they confirmed that this city was the the healthiest city in America. And then they switched over to why is that? The first thing they thought of was diet because we've got this diet mentality in the West. We still have it. Oh, if you've got a problem, you've got to change your diet. You know, it's food you're eating. And uh, they had a look at that. They said maybe they're on the Mediterranean diet, you know. And they found that in Italy, this, these same people were cooking with olive oil. In America, they were cooking with lard. In uh, Italy, they were eating pizza that was thin and crispy. In America, they got bread dough for, for their bases. There were a whole lot of, just about it. all the adults drank wine and alcohol. Lots of people smoking. In fact, a lot of them were overweight. Some were obese. And yet you check them out, they're fine. There's no blood pressure issues. There's no heart issues. They said, okay, it's not diet. And they're obviously not exercising either. That's that's something else we want to whip ourselves with. Don't stop exercising. I'm not preaching that. Don't start eating lard. Anyway, uh, they looked, okay, it's not diet, it's not exercise. Maybe it's genetic. They looked at all the genetic you know uh, information and nothing clear they found some other people who'd moved from the very same village in Italy who were related and so on moved to other parts of the United States their uh, health statistics were just as bad as the rest of America they were no different and so they thought maybe it's this part of western Pennsylvania maybe something in the water it's the air maybe it's the plant life They went and had a look but the towns that were right in the same vicinity breathing the same air using the same water supply worse health statistics And so they were totally confused. They stepped back and they thought, what is this? What's going on here? And they looked at this village, this town with 2,000 people. And then they realized, they said, well, this is a very different village. Because as we walk down the town, we can't go more than a few meters without someone talking to us. Every household has, nearly every household has three generations living under the one roof. There's an awful lot of people just sitting on the porch talking to each other. There's uh, a lot of people cooking for each other in the backyard. Uh, and then they dug a bit deeper and they find that the priest, uh, that all of them go to mass at different times on the weekend. All of them. And what the researchers don't want to point out is it was a Christian community. It was centred in Christ. The priest, when he found out that someone was doing it tough, he'd have a quiet word with a richer person. They'd fix things up. They, they wanted to cover one another's Uh, dignity when it was wounded there was also an unspoken culture in the town that if I'm really wealthy I don't show it I don't I'm not flaunting my wealth I don't want to make other people feel so there's not this comparison problem that causes stress one of the great drivers of our communities consumer societies I've got to have that because everybody's got one of those they didn't have that Okay, now, uh, this, uh, it, you know, they were living the values of Jesus. They were living the values of Jesus. They were living of a... a, a, a they'd built such a social network of close-knit uh, support and relationship that they had bulletproofed themselves from all the pressures and stresses that the rest of the United States had. They'd created a health bubble just by their social and emotional health. Amazing. Amazing! I just think about it. You know, God's got in His mind, Jesus, that they may be one. This is His dream. I want them to be one. I want them to be one. By the way, I've done it in uh, Rosetto in Western Pennsylvania. I can do it anywhere. It's very hard for us because we are uh, people who who just. Are constantly doing our own thing, and yet community is the very thing that, that humans need. I can't watch a movie by myself and enjoy it as much as I can if Melanie's there with me and share the moment. If, she, if she's not, then I'll prepare to watch the whole movie again and just so I can experience her joy in seeing that funny bit. And I can I'll stop watching the movie, watch her instead. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> We're built to share we're not meant to be alone it's not good for man to be alone or woman we go a bit nuts when we're alone we go a bit crazy you know this this guy that Jesus met in the tombs who was a bit crazy he comes charging out to him and he had all these demons Jesus dealt with the issue and then the guy wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said no go back to your community start shining the light in your community community is very important to Jesus Very important to Jesus. When Melanie talked today about God doing a new thing, I believe that God is part of this, is his challenge to you and to me. Embrace community. It's going to be so radically different to every other person in this city of fences and isolation. We've got this huge mental health issue in Canberra. Guess what a lot of it's due to? Loneliness. We can be so compelling as a community that the people around us get thirsty. How come you have so many friends? How come you got the... This guy loaned you his uh, lawnmower and then you had a phone call the other day about someone wanting to pray for your kids and I want to get into that. I need that. Everybody does. We can be on that road. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to sell all our um, possessions like they did in Acts, but, but that's an indicator of what God was doing was that they were prepared to go deeper into community. And then you have this outrageous, oh, I should just point out here that one of our tasks as a church is to create environments where community can happen. So this is great. You know, this is wonderful. Big meeting. We all hopefully hear the word of God and God imparts something to us and and we change on the inside and thinking. And we have an opportunity to meet a few people and so on. But that's just scratching the surface of community. What we're doing after church, we're going to invite everybody. We've got enough sausages, I hope. I believe we're we'll laying hands, hands on the sausages. Uh, Warren's prepared to do a quarter of sausage for himself um, and give the rest away. Stay around. Now, don't feel like you have to do anything or talk to anybody. It's a relaxing time. And you'll find a strange thing happens. Community starts to happen just by hanging around other people. Uh, and we have a common unity in Christ. But also we have the small groups and embrace small groups. Embrace the opportunity to be with other people and, uh, and all the scary sort of challenges that that represents. Because here, I can dress up and I can look quite good. And I can raise my hands people say, wow, he is a holy guy. But then I go to, into the life group and I start sharing some of my real story and people say, well, actually, he's just a normal guy. And you can feel the same sort of challenge. Well, I don't want to know if people are still like me. But the charge for our life group leaders is to like everybody. In fact, Jesus says in this next section, Luke 6, 27, 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. There are lots of organizations in the world, clubs, societies, religions, uh, family groups, ethnic groups that love each other. But the real test of a Christian community is to live these values out with whoever, with whoever it is. How do we treat people who don't share our values? How do we treat people who are outsiders? Because it's very tempting to have an insider-outsider thing. And Jesus plays a great game with the disciples on this one. He says... In verse I'm going to Luke six, thirty three and thirty five. You know, he talks about if you do do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do that. And the disciples are saying, Yeah, that's right, those sinners. The sinners do that. But we're not sinners. Just those guys on the outside. And Jesus says, um, If you lend to those whom you expect to receive money back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. And the disciples are saying, yeah, those sinners, scumbag sinners, we're not like them. And then uh, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good, lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And the disciples are nodding and then the penny drops at who's he talking about? <laughs> He's talking about us. God's being kind to us. Jesus is calling us ungrateful and evil men. And Jesus is saying, guys, there's no inside, outside. There's no sinners and you guys are perfect. You guys are sinners. Get real. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. I know what you like. You need to treat those everybody you meet the same way that God treats you. Love your enemies. Does that mean that you let them walk all over you and just keep doing the, the abuse or whatever situation you're in? Well, you need to, there are ways you can deal with that. You confront the person. You can talk to that person. If you have to, you can report them to the police. But what Jesus is saying is you have no personal uh, malice against that person. You want the very best for that person. And it takes a huge amount of grace to do that. But Jesus came down from that mountain with power. verses before, just everybody who needed healing was healed. Everybody who needed a devil cast out got the devil cast out because Jesus has power. Whatever you need today, Jesus has the power for it. If you can't love other people today, God in you can love other people today. Your person next to you at work who is uh, so hard to work with, God. Give me strength to love that person. God, let me include them in my community. I want to just read, um, it says here, uh, Jesus says, oh, look, I've, it's, it's, it says there in one of the verses uh, in that Luke 6 thing, maybe you guys can find it for me at the back. It says, then they will know that you are my disciples. They will know it. And it's as if the whole credibility and the criteria for the way people judge the church is how we treat each other and how we treat them. They're not going to be wanting to join a group of people who ignore them, who, don't, who avoid them, who don't talk to them. And when they do, it's some sort of argumentative thing. They want people who love them. And that will let them know that we are Jesus' disciples. So today, from our own position of needing God, from being a place where we're hungry for more of God, from uh, being at a place where we're sorry for our sin, where we're sorry when we make mistakes, we're sorry when we ignore God, and from a position that says I'm tired of just uh, uh, letting other people control what I do and don't do then we move from there and have, we're full of those values from Christ and we move into a place of relating to other people in oneness. So today, I just want to say, embrace a small group. Embrace every chance we have to connect. Don't walk too far into that for you before you say hi to someone. You don't have to be a leader or anybody to do it. You can just go up to them and say, G'day, how, how you going? What do you think of church today? You know? What are you up to this afternoon after the sausages? Oh, going to see a doctor. Okay. Actually, we call the sausages mystery bags in our house. Okay. Um, And the third thing. The third thing is hang in there. Hang in there. There's going to be times when someone offends you. I promise you. We will offend you. Here's a special announcement, hot off the press from, from the pulpit. We're going to offend you. At some point, we're going to offend you. <laughs> Promise, because we're human. And when, we, when you go to a small group and you put your kids in kids' church, it's going to be sometimes something happens and it's not going to make you feel good. And the temptation in our society is, oh, delete, bam, I'm out of here. We've got that delete mentality. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to go for another church. And the possibility is that the same thing will happen there. Withdraw, go to another church, spend our life in withdrawal moment uh, motion. At some time, God's challenge to us is to hang in there, hang in the fire. I'm going to come in there into the fire with you, and we're going to do something. We might have to talk to somebody. We might have to deal with some issue. We might have to go somewhere. You might have to change. But all I need is for you to be hungry enough to want that. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 churchwatsoncomau We hope to see you in church again this weekend.